The title of the message is from Amos chapter 4, Prepare to Meet Your God. In fact, these words are actually taken from verse 12 in Amos chapter 4, Prepare to Meet Your God. And uh, man, there's a lot in this short chapter. It's only 13 uh, verses long. Um, so we have a lot to see. Oh, by the way, I've been getting asked about the conference in Huntington Beach. It did sell out. We expected it to. Kept warning everybody, hey, it's going to sell out. Um, it's going to be terrific. We have, you can go online, see who all the speakers are going to be. It's going to be really good. And people are asking, will we have online streaming? Yes, we will. We believe the registration for online streaming is going to begin on July 1st. And uh, I recommend register if we can get it up before then we will but july 1st is only i think it's only two weeks away and uh, you'll be able to watch it anywhere in the world at your own convenience too and uh so i'm pretty excited about that and uh so let's get going all right so we are in amos prepared to meet your god before we get going i want you to think about these words just think about this when you look at the prophets of the old testament you look at this statement in particular this really sums up what god is saying to the people then and now listen god said it was going to happen god invited other countries to watch it happen that's what he did in amos chapter 3. he invited the other countries to watch there in the area of samaria watch as judgment comes upon israel god said it was going to happen god invited other countries to watch it happen and then it happened exactly as god said uh, when you look at Revelation chapter 18, for example, you see the destruction of Babylon. God invites the world to watch. Watch how Babylon gets destroyed. You know, it, is, it will be destroyed exactly as God says it will. When you look at the book of Revelation, you see the different things that are coming. Listen, God said it was going to happen. God invites us to watch it. He invites, also invites us to repent, which he's still doing in chapter 4 of Amos and then, God, uh, and then it happened exactly as God said it would. All right, a couple of updates on the news, and then we're going to get past the news. I'm not going to turn it into a prophecy update tonight. Uh, I'm going to take your questions live, though, and then we can turn it into a prophecy update then. But just a couple of uh, quick news items. Here's the first one. Weak United States will bring on four horsemen of World War III, says Newsmax. So I want to say this. I read the article. Their eschatology, is, I would say, is a little bit off. Uh, but still, the, the point is well made just with the title alone um, that, listen, I'm looking at everything that's going on with these world leaders. Oh, yeah, they are bringing about the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Number two, next story, return of work from home plan to save fuel in event of crises caused by Ukraine war. Listen, the, the, the fuel crisis has been blamed on Trump. It's been blamed on uh, Russia. It's been blamed on Putin himself. It's been blamed on Ukraine. It's blamed on uh, it, it's blamed on the oil companies. It's blamed on uh, the politicians that are conservatives. <laughs> it's blamed on pretty much. It's blamed on you if you're driving SUV or if you drive if you just have a gas a car that runs on gasoline. Probably if you have a lawnmower, you get blamed for it. I'm not blaming everybody, but Biden. Listen, this is intentional. What's going on? Let's move on uh, to the next one. But I want you to just think of this. There are these climate laws are all tied into the fuel shortage, and we're told you can't eat meat now, and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah, this stuff's happening. Okay, let's move on. Breitbart, Pope Francis fuels new speculation on future of pontificate. Why? He's not looking so good. His health is waning. Listen, I've been saying this for a long time. The Pope is the perfect setup for the false prophet that's coming. But I've said I don't believe this guy is the false prophet because. Uh, from what I see, the false prophet and Antichrist are pretty healthy when they arrive in the Jezreel Valley at Armageddon, physically healthy. So I'm thinking the Antichrist and false prophet are going to be younger. But who knows? Maybe transhumanism will come along and encourage the Pope to have some strength that he doesn't currently have. But I don't think this Pope's going to be, uh, is the false prophet, but I believe the false prophet is coming. Uh, next article, global elites converge on Washington D.C. for Bilderberg Group meeting. Imagine that. The Bilderbergs still meet. Indeed, they do. Next article, last one. The energy food crisis is far worse than most Americans realize. It's going to be. And uh, even you could even say, well, it's fabricated, it's manufactured by the globalists. Maybe. But nevertheless, I can't help but look at this and go, okay, baby, 
uh, we better be ready. I want to encourage you to be ready. Uh, Curtis Bowers wrote, it's not difficult to imagine the angry mob that crucified Jesus anymore, boiling with demonic venom, screaming profanities, and demanding the right to kill. They continue today to wage their timeless war on God. The media has live-streamed the vehement mob for all to see most recently in unthinkable scenes of women rioting for the right to murder their own children. Do you see these horrific evils and attacks on your own beloved Lord and friend Jesus? And knowing Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, will you be more loyal to him than ever before? Great question. He continues, says, if you feel fear, if you feel fearful as evil appears to be advancing, take comfort that this loving Jesus is with you day by day, that your godly influence is desperately needed, and that your courageous faithfulness will be rewarded by him, be rewarded by the Lord. Uh, be encouraged. Listen, we see all the stuff, you know, the news items I just read, the attacks and the pressure against you as a, if you're a Bible believer, you actually believe that the Bible is true, uh, not just some made-up book. Um, you know, I was watching a, a video earlier with Sam Smith, the atheist, and uh, just talking about the foolishness of the Bible. Um, listen, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And there's more and more attacks that are coming against you as a believer, and especially if you believe that Jesus is coming again, which Sam Smith was mocking that also. But be strong in the Lord. Everything's going to happen exactly as God said it was going to happen. So let's get going uh, with Amos chapter Four. It's lesson number five in Amos, but it's chapter four as we go through books, verses one through three, as we see the corruption of the rich. Now listen to these words. To me, these words are very intriguing. Hear this word, verse one of Amos chapter four. You cows of Bashan, who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor, you crush the needy, you say to your husbands, bring wine, let us drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness, behold, the days shall come upon you when he will take you away with fish hooks and your posterity with fish hooks. You will go out through broken walls and each one straight ahead of her and you will be cast into harmon, says the Lord. Listen, Amos wasn't a trained prophet and he certainly wasn't politically correct. And uh, this might be one of the reasons why he was exceptionally effective as an instrument of the Lord. He did not care what the establishment thought. He didn't care what the elite thought. I find it humorous here, and no doubt he meant it humorous. Definitely, all of chapter four is rather sarcastic. You're going to see a lot more of that in just a few more minutes. But he says here, you cows of Bashan. Who's he referencing? He's referencing the women in the area of Samaria, the women in the northern part of Israel. You oppress the poor, you cows of Bashan. Oh, what are the cows of Bashan? Literally meaning, you fat cows of Bashan. That's what he's calling the women. And, and, and he's challenging them uh, for their evil. You oppress the poor, you, you're of the elite class, you don't care about anybody else, uh, but this is what you are. When we were just in the area of, of um, Israel, we are heading up to the Golan Heights, Mount Bental up there, and we were with Eris Sassone, and I said, you know, I had my camera out, and I said, hey, look at this, and I said, there they are, the cows of Bashan from the book of Amos, and he looked over and he goes, that's exactly what they are. So this, Amos was using the, the, really the cows that are located now and were located way back then in the area of northern Israel, up near the Golan Heights. And he's using them as an illustration to call out these women who, uh, uh, who are just part of the elite. They're looking down at everybody else, and, and um, they're, they detest the poor people. And that's what he's doing. Listen, they had money, uh, but the problem wasn't money. The problem was that the money had them. There's an old saying that says, the issue is not whether a person has riches, but whether the riches have the person. And that's what happened with the money that these, the, the women had and uh, the area of uh, Bashan, the area of northern Israel. And so Amos calls him on the carpet for it. It's a reminder of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, where Timothy writes, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness 
and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Uh, I look at that and I think here's the problem as you look at what, uh, what Amos is doing as he's calling the, the people out here. These people were in love with their money and the money dictated their actions. Two things. They loved their money and they loved their positions. These were the ones that were running the country. These were the famous ones. These were the elite ones. If you were to take it into the terms of today, uh, you'd say these are the ones that we see on the news all the time. They're telling us that you got to mask up. They're looking down at the little people. They're getting richer and richer and richer. Listen, these are the ones like the Clintons who get away with all kinds of things, get away with murder, get away with all kinds of things. It's amazing what they're able to get away with. But, but they do all this stuff and they oppress, the, uh, they, they oppress everybody else. Listen, during the pandemic, the 10 richest people in the world doubled their wealth. So you look, you go, wait a minute, a whole lot of other people lost their jobs because they wouldn't comply with, uh, with what you were saying. And then you look at them. So it's the same thing. So constantly in the book of Amos, you've seen it if you've been with us since Amos chapter 1. You have the elite that are running everything and they're oppressing the poor, even having people thrown in jail and, and taking their goods. They're in jail, they would steal their stuff. So we've seen that. And now you have him calling them out. He calls them the cows of Bashan. And look at this. You oppress the poor, you crush the needy, you say to your husbands, bring wine, let us drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness, be Behold, the day shall come upon you when he shall take you away with fish hooks and your posterity with fish hooks. You shall go out through broken walls, each one straight ahead of her, and you will be cast into harm, and says the Lord. So what, uh, what is this? I mean, you look at this and you go, okay. Amos, he gives details that apply today um, just, as, just as well. Uh, I think of this, and uh, you, you think of the classes of people. Uh, Hunter Biden, why, do, why does he get away with all kinds of crazy things that the rest of us would all be in prison for? You have these families, all right? We already talked a little bit about the elite, and then there's the rest of us. It's a party, and you're not invited to it is basically what it is. But you look at this, these fat cows of Bashan, as he tells them, uh, it, it kind of reminds me of some of the shows, you know, when you get those uh, housewives of Orange County and housewives of Miami and housewives of New Jersey and all these shows kind of gives that kind of picture uh, when, you, when you look at this. And here in the days of Israel and Amos, Amos accuses the wives, this is it, of demanding more money and more material goods from their husbands to satisfy their lust for luxury. And in turn, the husbands acted unlawfully and squeezed the poor and powerless to finance their lifestyles. So essentially, that was, was what was going on. And here God says in verse 3, verses 2 and 3, you're going to be led away by fish hooks. This is exactly what happened. When the Assyrians came and they captured the people of the northern kingdom and slaughtered them, did awful things, they also put hooks in their noses and in their jaws and they took them back into the land of Assyria. Now this is interesting too. He says here in verse 3, you will go out through broken walls, each one straight ahead of her. So he pictures this one of the high and mighty classes of elite women who are oppressing the poor people. And there's another one right behind her. They're both being led away like a, they're all being led away like in a parade with fish hooks in their noses and in their jaws. Listen, you look right now and you think, man, these people are getting away with murder. They're getting away with all kinds of evil things. It's just absolutely awful what's going on. Will God ever repay them? Yes, God will repay them. Remember these words. God said it was going to happen. God invites other countries to watch it happen. And then it happened exactly as God said it would. In verse 2, Amos writes, the day God has sworn uh, the Lord God is sworn by his holiness. Thomas Edward McComsky notes in a study on Amos, this is exactly, uh, exceedingly exalted and sure oath. When God swore by his holiness, God guaranteed that the judgment would become a reality because the holy God does not lie, nor can his holiness allow sin to go unpunished. Listen, God's not a liar. God's a promise keeper. And you start looking at the Old Testament and you see what God says he's going to do in the last days. You look at the New Testament. Listen, don't ignore those things. 
don't ignore the Old Testament. Don't ignore the prophecies of the Old Testament or the New Testament. It's going to happen exactly as God said it is going to happen, no matter how many preachers that are out there on YouTube, no matter how many churches are out there, no matter how many pastors say, don't listen to this stuff. You just need to do a big group hug. Don't tell people they need to repent. Don't tell people Jesus is coming again. Don't talk about that stuff. Listen, don't listen to that. You listen to what God says. God, also God says that he will take you away with fish hooks. That's exactly what happened. Listen, I want you to think of these things. Just listen to these words. This is a Damon Duck. Listen to this. His latest article, one of my favorite people to quote. You guys know that. I'll post his article on my website tomorrow. But Melting Down and Running Out of Time is the title of his article. He wrote this. On June 1st, Anne Graham Watts, Billy Graham's daughter, wrote, Our beloved nation is melting down. The jettisoning of traditional Judeo-Christian values has seemed to erupt at warp speed. Lying, corruption, deception, betrayal, and greed are becoming the norm. Fear, rage, lawlessness, murder, suicides, and drug and alcohol abuse seem out of control. The signs the Bible gives which characterize the last generation of human history are warning indicators. Could it be our world is coming under God's final judgment? If so, then the time before Jesus returns for his followers is running out. And then he continues. Now listen to the rest of this. He says, concerning shortages, Bloomberg reported that fuel shortages, drought and heat waves in Asia, Europe and the U.S. could cause rolling blackouts, no electricity in less than one month. If you live in California, this seems to be the norm. I hear they're coming all across the nation, but here, Asia, Europe, United States, it's going to hit the entire Western world in Asia. Yeah, you can count on it. According to Bloomberg, commodity disruptions, uh, the war in Ukraine, and Biden's failed effort to transition away from fossil fuels are going to cause electric-powered systems to fail, putting one billion people at risk worldwide, and likely including U.S. citizens in six states, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay, now, Biden trying to get everybody off of fossil fuels and go over to electricity, the whole thing is such nonsense, because we don't have the electricity to support what we currently have. Just foolishness. We're being lied to. We're being manipulated. It's getting to the point. I was, I was talking with uh, one of my colleagues and friends uh, just the other day when I was in Texas. Not going to mention any names because I'm not sure if he wants his, names, his name mentioned on this. But we are talking about the shortages and all that's going on and the reality that, th that everything's being manipulated. Manufactured. Bill Koenig was a, a person I was talking to about this also. Um, that it is being manufactured and manipulated to bring about this destruction of America. We are, we are, we're being destroyed from within. But this one particular person I was talking to, he said, hey, simply just look out and, and look at what's going on over in Shanghai. There's, the ports have been shut down for a while. This is going to come home and it's going to be really, really bad in America. And I said, do you think that it's going to go to civil war? He goes, I'll tell you this much. This thing's about ready to blow up, and they know that it is. Uh, listen, when it gets to the point where people, listen, most people don't have enough food in their home to last more than a day or two. I encourage you to do something about that. Uh, be wise. Read the news. We keep talking about this. Be wise. He said, you, this is what's going to happen. You're looking two months tops down the road, maybe three, uh, when the supplies and food and everything isn't coming in. When people have groceries today, they go to the grocery store and they go, oh my, it's empty. They're going to be, you're going to see chaos in the streets like that. It will happen that day. That day it's going to happen. And so you, it's understanding how fast this switch is going to go. I believe it's intentional. Concerning fuel, food and fuel shortages, Bill Wilson, senior analyst for uh, Bill Koenig, uh, wrote, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, a family of four on a thrifty food plan paid $917 for groceries in May, up about 65% from a year ago. Then he went on to talk about inflation. But he said this, in part, Wilson blamed Biden's cancellation of Keystone uh, Pipeline and exploration of and leases on federal lands. Biden's belief that higher fuel prices are needed to cause Americans to transition from fossil fuels to green energy. Again, that's a really, I mean, you look, we don't, we can't, we don't have the electricity for what we currently have. Continues from there. 
On June 2nd, it was reported that Jamie Damone, in fact, this is going to be one of my messages coming up here, uh, CEO J.P. Morgan Chase, Chase Bank, said this. And believe me, he's one of these guys that never says anything is bad because he, 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 he wants your money. But now he's starting to sing a different tune. He's saying an economic hurricane is coming our way and you better brace yourself. He said his company doesn't know whether it's going to be a weak or strong hurricane, but J.P. Morgan Chase is preparing for some very bad outcomes. Uh, uh, writer uh, Dr. Brian Jundef predicted that it will be a Category 5 hurricane. Again, this is talking about the economy. Uh, continuing, Mike Adams on Brighteon predicted that food shortages in the U.S. will lead to food riots, uh, resulting in a martial law before the midterm elections. Uh, continues to talk about other things that are going up. He says, uh, Damon Duck says, we are witnessing the result of Biden's Build Back Better plan to weaken America and to entice the citizens to accept the new world order. On June uh, uh, 6th, just the other day, Biden a couple weeks back, no, last week, uh, declared a national energy emergency for the next 24 months. Quite interesting. 24 months. Kind of interesting, to say the least. Multiple factors are threatening the ability of the United States to provide sufficient electricity uh, um, to serve the expected customer demand. Multiple factors include Russia and climate change. Putin's fault, I'm telling you. I keep saying, everything's Putin's fault. Putin's an easy scapegoat. Everything's Putin's fault. Biden didn't mention his cancellation of the Keystone Pipeline. Now, this is interesting. He writes, my opinion, America's energy crisis is not being caused by Russia or climate change. I don't think so either. America's deliberately being weakened from within. I believe so also. This is part of the World Economic Forum Great Reset, the transition from the old normal to the new world order by 2030. Folks, it's, they've been talking about this. 2030. So we're on the fast track to make sure that these globalists, these elites, so when I look at this and I think, okay, what was going on in Amos chapter 4? It wasn't just the men who were part of the elite system that were crushing the people. Even the women were involved in this elite system of crushing the people. And, and we see the same thing here in America. I mean, just turn on the news. What's Nancy Pelosi up to? You start looking across the globe from the people who are watching in Australia, in the UK, and elsewhere. I mean, Canada. You watch, you go, it's the high and mighty. You got their note, they're fat cows of Bashan. Start calling them that. God did, by the way. Why not? Duck says, I believe Americans will soon be told that we can't solve our problems by ourselves. That our problems, the inflation supply chain crisis, pandemic they created, food shortages, everything else, are global and they require a global solution a global government. Yeah, I mean, you can see this whole thing coming, going exactly this direction. Absolutely remarkable. Well, let's move on. I want to get to the next thing. I want to make sure I get through Amos chapter 4. Uh, so we have number one, the corruption of the flesh. Number two, it's the compromise of the religious. Look at this, verses 4 and 5. Come to Bethel and transgress. At Gilgal, this is when God is getting exceptionally sarcastic. People out there, you don't think God's sarcastic? Read these words. He's being exceptionally sarcastic. Come to Gil Bethel and transgress. At Gilgal, multiply your transgression. Transgress, just engage in sin. Just bring in all your sin, right? Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven. Proclaim and announce the free will offerings for this you love, you children of Israel, says the Lord. He's saying, hey, you bring your religious services, you bring all your sin, you bring what you think I'm about, you say I'm good with all of this kind of stuff, but yet you still go to church. In this case, you go to the temple, the temple that you may have built, you say God's good with it, and he uses Gilgal and Bethel uh, as an illustration. Uh, listen, because the kings of Israel did not want their people to sacrifice at God's temple in Jerusalem, they had the rival centers, Gilgal and Bethel. Uh, they reasoned in their own hearts and minds that this was good, that God was good with it, 
We've seen it before with Jeroboam when he relocated and built the other temple all the way up north. For those of you who have been up there to the Tel Dan area, you've seen it before. Um, listen, God viewed it as a transgression. He viewed it as sin. You don't really know me. You, don't, you say you know me. You don't really know me. You've made up your own laws. You've made up your own rules. you made up your own regulations. You, you have your elite class. You set yourselves apart. Listen, how much the Christian needs to understand or the person needs to understand that calls themselves a Christian, that you, you, you don't just go to church and follow the social justice warrior causes and say, well, I'm good with God. Listen, the, this is wrong. The good works ought to follow our worship. When, when uh, um, it was the night before Jesus, it was the night before uh, uh, Palm Sunday, Jesus is at the supper, the thank you supper that was given to him by Mary and Martha and Lazarus who had raised from the dead. Remember that? I believe that was a Simon's house is where the supper was. So they're there and Mary anoints Jesus with her costly perfume, perfume that cost a year's wage. So if you make $50,000 a year, figure $50,000 of perfume. Well, the Bible tells us that uh, Judas said, what a waste. He could have sold this uh, perfume and given it to the poor. No, he was the social justice warrior of that day. And Jesus said, the poor you're always going to have with you, but me you're not. And, and what Mary did is, gonna, is going to be told in memoriam for her. Interesting, what Judas did is told in memoriam against him. Isn't that interesting? But what Mary did in worshiping the Lord... Uh, and putting the Lord first, the worship of the Lord first, kept everything in the right perspective. Listen, you, you look at this, and these people are doing good stuff, no doubt about it, on the outside, but God knew what was really going on. They're oppressing the poor. They're stealing from the poor. They're taking their stuff, taking the, the things out of their houses. You got the elite fat cows of Bashan, he tells them. He goes, you and your husband's. You do all this stuff. You get away with all of these things. He says, no, I'm watching. And then you, he mocks them. Bring in your sacrifices to Bethel. Bring in your sacrifices to, to um, uh, Gilgal. Uh, in fact, bring your tithes every three, three days instead of just once a week or once a month. Bring them all the time, yeah. As if doing your religious works makes you more holy and right with God. God says, no. This is a whole bunch of nonsense. Gilgal was the first city where Israel camped after crossing the Jordan River. And Gilgal's the place where Israel had placed their 12 memorial stones. You might remember that passage. Um, I, one of my visits to Israel in uh, 2017, we went out and we looked for one of the Gilgals. There's different Gilgals. And I'm going back to look for another one here coming up in the not-too-distant future, I hope, uh, hopefully to find the, the, this one. Um, so yeah, it was also a Gilgal that Samuel judged and led the people where, where he worshipped God. So you have Gilgal and Bethel, and they were uh, two significant places in the worship of God in the beginning of God with his people in the Promised Land. However... Their acts of religious worship were completely compromised and corrupted, and all it was was an act, and there was nothing genuine that was about it. They engaged in the religious practices. Uh, they went along with, hey, this is what's popular with the people. They told the people, this is how we worship God. And God's saying, I have, I'll have none of it. Listen, let me read this to you from the book of Revelation uh, with the... Um, uh, the seven churches. I'm just going to read about five of them. Listen to the titles of them. You have the Loveless Church, right? The Church of Ephesus. I want you to think about this. They've left their first love. In other words, they have got the religious practices, but they really don't love Jesus, right? So they got the stuff, but they really don't love Jesus. Uh, and then you have the persecuted church, which is Smyrna. I'm not going to get into that, but I want you to think about the five negative ones. You have the Loveless Church, you have the compromising church. Uh, they're willing to compromise in sins and, and things that they do and say, yeah, we love Jesus, but, right? That was the church of Pergamos or Pergamum. And then you have the corrupt church, was, which was the church of Thyatira. God calls out these churches. Uh, then you have the dead church, the church of Sardis. You say you have life. You have no life in you. Jesus isn't there with you. 
And then you have the last church, the lukewarm church, the church of Laodicea. The church of Laodicea says, man, we got it all going on. Uh, we, we do this, we do that. It reminds me of Matthew chapter 7 where he says, uh, the people will say in that day, Lord, we did this in your name and we did that in your name. And God, God says, I never knew you. Get away from me. Depart from me. All kinds of people say we do these things in the name of the Lord when they don't even, uh, they don't bring the Lord of the Bible into the equation. Let me show you this. This is going to tick off some people out there, but that's okay. Look at this. Evangelical Church, look at this article. Can you pull it up here, Brian? The Evangelical Church faces a state of emergency over the pandemic and politics, Andy Stanley says. So I read this whole article. I wanted to see what was going on. Now, the world, of course, is promoting Andy Stanley as if he's high and mighty, and he sets the standard for what true Christianity is. Listen, this is what the guy does. He shuts down all of his churches. He's all about good works. This is the same pastor that says, don't read the Old Testament. Don't pay any attention to the Bible, to the prophecies regarding uh, Jesus Christ. And whatever you do, don't you dare bring politics into uh, the pulpit. Don't be talking about abortion. Don't be talking about sin. Don't be talking about judgment. If it crosses into the area of politics, don't do that. You need to just go along with the system, keep your mouth shut, and, and, uh, and, and, and just do a group, big group hug with Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum and Henry Kissinger and the rest of them. That's what we need to be doing. Yeah, climate change, Hillary Clinton, Hunter Biden, all the rest of them. Listen, this is just nonsense. So this is the stuff that's in the church. Listen, you, we need to think through this because Jesus said, I quoted this last time, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. As it was in the days of Lot, so will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. What happened in the days of Noah? Eight people are saved. Eight out of a billion or more people on the planet. What happened in the days of Lot? Lot's family barely, apparently, but everybody else gets wiped out. What on earth makes the church think, well, it's just going to be this broad path that leads to life? No, Jesus said it's a narrow path that leads to life. Broad is the path that leads to destruction. And when you look at the book of Amos, and now he calls out the people. These were people who were religious. These were people who are saying we're right with God. But at the same time, what are they doing? They did their social justice. Look at the church of Laodicea. Look at the compromising church. You start looking at the churches in the book of Revelation, you go, man, in fact, it was, it was the, the church of Philadelphia and the church of Smyrna. Those were the small churches that were persecuted because they weren't surrendering to Rome and going all the foolish ways of Rome. No, they put Jesus first. They suffered the ridicule of the other churches that were out there. Was a, don't put up with that nonsense that's out there. There's a lot of evil stuff that's out there. Uh, proclaimed in the name of God. No, no, it is the Bible first. It is God first. It's Jesus Christ first. Don't get away from this because there's a whole lot more pressure right now saying you need to get away from the Bible. You need to get away from the Word. Stop talking about it as if it's true. You're just a nut. You're a whack job. You're this. You're that. Don't be talking like this. No. Uh, listen, tell that to people in China who live for this. The largest population of believers in the world is in the underground church in China. Tell the people in Iran who live for this, who are, who are saved. The massive turning to Christ is happening throughout the Islamic world. Absolutely incredible. But in the Western world, uh, you, don't say any, uh, you better not say anything about this Jesus stuff. All right, let's get on with this because I want to get to your questions. Got a few more minutes here. Uh, so we have the corruption of the rich, the compromise of the religious, the chastening, the very last one, because of resistance to God. This is the last one that I'm getting over to your questions. Uh, verse 6, let's just read through this. Also, God says, I gave you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places, yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I brought on destruction. I've given you cleanness of teeth. In other words, you don't got nothing to eat. You won't even turn to me. You still just ah, ignore, we're going to fix the problem. We're going to fix it. We don't need you, God. Ah, interesting. Also, verse 7, I withheld rain from you. In other words, I brought trout. When there were still three months to harvest, I made it rain on one city. I withheld rain from another city. One part was rained upon, and where it did not rain, the part withered. God says, I did that. I did that. Listen, as I watch what's happening right now, I believe it's manufactured crisis. But at the same time, God is bringing about these wicked leaders to do this. How do I know that? Because in Revelation chapter 17, 
You have the ten kings who are of one mind. They give their power and authority to the beast, right? They're of one mind. But in chapter 17, verse 17, God says, I put it in their mind to be of one mind. I'm the one who's, I believe right now what's taking place, God is moving these globalists forward because God's going to fulfill his prophetic plan. In fact, Revelation chapter 17, verse 17 says this. Listen to these words. Listen to this. Chapter 17, verse 17. God says this. For God has put it into the hearts of the ten kings to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast. Listen, until the words of God are fulfilled, until his prophetic word is fulfilled, no matter what Andy Stanley says. So as we look at these things, I believe God is racing us along. This is a reminder for us to be hopeful because it's a reminder that, listen, we're about ready to be called home. All right, on with Amos. Let's finish this. Verse 8. So two or three cities wandered uh, uh, to another city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. So there's a shortage of food, shortage of water, right? Get it? We can see this, can't we? Verse 9, I blasted you with blight and mildew. When your gardens increased, your vineyards, your fig trees, and your olive trees, the locusts devoured them, yet you have not returned to me. Constantly, you won't return to me. He made them look at all of their fruit and everything, the vines, and they're going, wow, we're going to have a harvest, and all of a sudden God sends locusts. They won't turn to him. Listen, God is screaming at the world, shouting at the world, turn to me, return to me. Repeatedly, he says in here, verse 10, you have not returned to me. Verse 9, you have not returned to me. Verse 8, you have not returned to me. Uh, Verse 6, you have not returned to me. Verse 10, I sent among you a plague after the manner of Egypt. Your young men I killed with the sword along with your captive horses. I made you uh, the stench of your camps come up to your nostrils, yet you have not returned to me. I sent all this to You still have not returned to me. You know what this reminds me of? Book of Revelation, during the tribulation, as the judgments are happening, God says, although they know, he teaches, although they know the judgments are happening because of him, yet they still not would repeat, uh, repent of their wickedness. Very interesting. Same thing here. I overthrew some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and you, uh, were like a firebrand plucked from the burning, yet you have not returned to me. Again, verse 11. Verse 12. Therefore, thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Prepare to meet your God. Friends, I believe that God is he's, he's trying to get the world's attention. If you're watching this, um, if you're a believer, he's got your attention. Uh, maybe you're watching this and you don't know the Lord and you've stumbled across it. Or maybe you've been part of a church and, and listen, you're not hearing this. Uh, the pastor won't tell you what's really going on. Uh, listen, God is, is, listen, this whole thing is winding down. And God's saying, return to me, return to me, return to me. And then he says here in verse 12, prepare to meet your God. Verse 13, for behold, he who forms the mountains, talking about himself, and creates the wind and declares to man what his thought is and makes the morning darkness who treads the high places of the earth. The Lord of hosts is his name. Listen, God has said it is going to happen. God invites the world to watch it happen. And then it happened exactly as God said it would. And it will happen exactly as God says it's going to happen. Listen, as I put all of these things together, I want to encourage you, send in your questions. Make sure you put the word question, all caps, right, so I can read it. Uh, start sending them in now um, and, uh, and so I can get to it. But remember this, remember the hope. Jesus himself said in Luke chapter 21, when he was talking about the convergence of all the last day scenarios in the tribulation period, he said, when you see these things begin to take place, look up, uh, lift, and I forgot to put this other part, look up and lift up your head for your redemption draws near. Uh, The lift up your head is exceptionally important. I wish I remembered to put it in there, but look up means Jesus is coming. Lift up your head with expectant joy. Now understand this, when Jesus said this, this, he was prophesying, he's writing to the Jews, he's speaking to the Jews about the tribulation that's coming. Ultimately, this pointed to the second half of the tribulation period. So there's going to be great persecution all over the planet. And yet, Jesus is able to say, look up, 
and lift up your head. That means with expectant joy because you know it's almost over. You know Jesus is coming. Now people write to me and they say, well, Pastor Tom, don't you know, uh, why are you talking about it as if it's the rapture? It's not the rapture. I already said that Jesus was talking about the second half of the tribulation period. However, we know this, the rapture happens before the tribulation. So it's kind of like Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? Uh, we know here in America, when you, uh, you hit October, you start seeing the Thanksgiving, uh, the, the Christmas decorations coming, right? But you know something has to take place first, Thanksgiving, in the same sense. Jesus is saying you see the decorations, the convergence of all things coming together. The rapture is going to take place before the big event of the tribulation period. Uh, so that's how we put that together in a nutshell. Okay, let me go to some questions here. Uh, question, question. I saw a question on here. I already lost it. Um, I'm sure it's going to come back here. Let's see. Uh, send in your questions. Questions. Maybe I need to go to the end. Let me go to the end. Question. After the economy falls, this is from Chauncey, will that usher in the one world government? That is a, um, a great question. In fact, let me get a picture of this so none of these questions go away. Okay. After the economy falls, will that usher in a one world government? I think that it likely will. I think what's going on right now with the economy um, is an intentional collapse. When you look at the black horse of the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 6, the black horse represents economic collapse and famine. We hear the talk. We know there's an economic catastrophe that's coming. We know there's famine coming. Um, people are saying, hey, I wish I had enough time to read some more of these things. Uh, but they're saying, hey, you got two years at the most left. Uh, people are saying uh, Africa is going to be absolutely devastated with the coming famine. Um, listen, I went, let me tell you about what's going on. So I was flying over this past week, as you guys know, I'm in Florida, I was also in Texas, and let me tell you, it's, uh, it, there's a balagon going out there, and there's a whole lot of flight staff. I mean, we're listening. Our, our son was supposed to get on two different planes. He wasn't flying with us. He was doing some other things, and uh, twice his flights got canceled because there was no staff for the airplane. I'm watching. We're in DFW in Dallas. Uh, we are in Orlando and Florida at the airports and looking and listening. Sure enough, this flight gets canceled, this flight gets canceled, this flight gets canceled because no flight staff, shortage of flight staff. Now, I don't want to get canceled, but there's a reason there's a shortage of flight staff. And it's happening uh, throughout different industries where people are forced to uh, take certain things. Uh, you know, you guys can do the math on that. So we're looking at things develop. And... Uh, I've done, it's not looking good, not looking good at all. But we're watching all of this. So when you look at the economy, back to your question, I believe it's intentionally being collapsed to bring about a digital currency, and it's only a matter of time before they're able to launch their new world order. I think the goal of 2030 is to get everything in place to say now we, well, I don't think they know it yet, but 10 kings. I know it's going to be 10 kings, so do you, because Revelation chapter 17 says, there's going to be 10 kings, these 10 global leaders that are going to be running the whole show. Uh, very fascinating. Mondo Gonzalez did a, uh, a message about that where he, he brought in the 10 richest people of the world, the Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, and so forth, where they're really controlling everything. Maybe it's them that are the 10 kings. Uh, see, because they're, they're exceptionally powerful. You know, as the money can start controlling everybody. Uh, but I mean, you start looking at this, you go, okay, the economy must be collapsed. You get the people surrendered to this new world order. I've shown this video before with uh, um, oh, Bezmanov, Yuri Bezmanov, where he's talking about how did uh, the Soviet Union, how did they take over people? And he gave specifically Czechoslovakia. He said, you demoralize the people, you destabilize them, you bring in a crisis, and then you normalize. So you demoralize them. He goes, that's already happened in America. You destabilize we're watching that, aren't we? We are totally, the whole globe is destabled right now. And then you bring in a crisis. At the crisis, everything collapses, and then you bring, then you normalize. He said, in this case, they bring in the crisis to Czechoslovakia, then they roll in the tanks and say, now we are normalized. Uh, and we can see that going. So it's, it's going, uh, it's definitely going that direction. Next question is from Tom L. 
Do you believe Psalm 83 is a prophecy or a lament? Okay, uh, Bill Salas, um, he's a Psalm 83 guy, good friend of mine. I've had him on my show before. I'll have him on again in the not-too-distant future. Um, and Bill talks a lot about Psalm 83. I tend to believe Psalm 83 is actually going to be fulfilled. Um, I believe it's a lament, but as far as the lamb. So Bill talks Psalm 83. That's when Israel's going to get the land that was promised to them uh, from God. When you look at Abraham and then you look at the land covenant, you go back to the book of Genesis, you follow it all the way through. Uh, when you see it in, in light of what the Bible says, uh, Israel's never had all the land that God gave them. Uh, the most land they've ever had, I believe, was during the time of Solomon. And, and, uh, but they still never actually uh, possessed all of the land that God had given them. I don't believe Israel's going to possess all of the land until the king of kings comes back and sits on the throne in Jerusalem in the millennial kingdom. And that is when Israel's going to have all the land that God had promised them. Now, my friend Bill Salas believes Psalm 83 wars is real, and that's when Israel's going to get the land. So we have different schools of thought on that. I don't think it's anything to divide over, but again, I believe it's going to be fulfilled by Jesus during the millennial kingdom. Uh, Texas Dream says, can you take a minute to pray for my big brother, Gregory Michael? He's admitted into the hospital right now in Florida with a vaccine injury. Yes, let's pray. Uh, Lord, we lift up... Um, Michael, Gregory, Michael to you. We pray for your ministering to him, uh, your touch uh, ministering to his body. Lord, we're hearing more and more reports like this. Lord, may you be glorified. Heal him physically, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Question, Gisele Aguiar. My pastor is hung up on the fact that the name Antichrist is only in 1 John. He won't teach on end times prophecy. How can I encourage him to do so? Um, I don't know if you can. Uh, he's correct. Um, I tend to talk about the beast because Antichrist is the common name that we know him as. Uh, but um, John says there's many Antichrists, but an Antichrist is coming. So he's referring to this beast. So ultimately, the beast of Revelation chapter 13, Revelation chapter 17, and so forth, uh, he is um, the Antichrist. He's the one that's most against Christ more than any other person that's ever existed before. So he's the Antichrist, so that's how we get that term. But as far as your pastor, I don't know what to tell you. If he doesn't want to teach on it, he doesn't want to teach on it. I believe that you should be teaching on Bible prophecy, but um, if he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to, pray for him. Uh, maybe he'll, he'll see the light. You know, the majority of pastors don't want anything to do with this. Even in the, this is amazing, even in the midst of all that's happening right now, just completely ignore it. God doesn't want us to be ignorant of these things, nor does he want us to be ignorant of Bible prophecy. Let me see if I can find this passage for you. I'm going to read it to you. Um, I'm going to find it here uh, while I'm thinking. I believe it is in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4 is what I'm looking for. Uh, or uh, um, Let me see. I believe it's here. Let me find it. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about it being in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I thought it was there. Maybe it's over in 1 Timothy. Uh, no, no, not there. Let me look over here. I'm going to find it because right now it's bugging me. So now I have to find it. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. See that, here it is. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, uh, both for yourselves and, and for all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. So First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20. But uh, it seems most pastors despise prophecies. Um, God tells us don't despise the prophecies. Why does he give us the prophetic word? Over 25% of the Bible is prophetic, and yet pastors say, I don't want anything to do with it. We just need more of Jesus. Well, that's kind of an idiotic statement because if uh, the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 19, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Well, if this is the case, then if you want more of Jesus, you need to have more Bible prophecy. So uh, I just don't think pastors read their Bible enough. That's, that's my thinking. Um, let's see. Annalise, is it possible we will know exactly who the AC is so to warn others? Listen, I wouldn't even worry about warning others who Antichrist is. I mean, we have the Bible 
Uh, we can tell them what's coming. And people, I mean, even if you knew who he was, you know, you're going to have all these different arguments. Listen, the people that, listen, this is how we need to put it in this category. The people who are alive during the time of the tribulation, they're going to have the warnings. Uh, the reason why Revelation chapter 13 says, don't receive the mark of the beast, let him who has wisdom understand what this is, is the number of man 666, right? On your right hand or on your forehead. God didn't tell us that so people won't know. I believe the revelation, the understanding of that is going to be for those who are living during the tribulation period because they've been taught by you, they've watched things like this, we've warned them, and they're going to go, wait a minute, it's going to make sense on that day. Right now, I I'm not exaggerating, I receive emails, comments, letters every day through one avenue or another of people telling me they've calculated who the Antichrist is. And I bet I have got 150 different Antichrists that people have mentioned to me over the last six months of who Antichrist is. And, and I'm always, I'm always um, ridiculed and pressured by people to say, I have to warn everybody who Antichrist is. No, I need to tell them who Jesus Christ is. Warn, I can warn Antichrist is coming, the beast, here's the thing. But I, I do trust in God in, in this. And there's a progressive revelation that's going to happen during the days of the tribulation period. Those people who are alive during that time that have had some Bible understanding of prophecy, God's going to use that to wake them up. You have the 144,000 Jews. You have this great awakening that happens to the Jews, a great awakening that happens to the Gentile world out of every tribe, nation, tongue, and people. So God's going to do it. And there's, they're going to be able to calculate and figure out who the Antichrist is at that time. And there's going to be a light that's going to go on with a whole lot of people. And then Revelation 14, there's an angel that flies around the world and says, do not receive the mark of the beast. So, no, at this point, it doesn't really, uh, I don't see the point of warning people who Antichrist is. For one thing, I don't know. So I'm focusing in on who Jesus Christ is. But I warn people with what I do know. Uh, it's just like people tell me the Pope is the false prophet. Listen, barring transhumanism, this Pope ain't going to make it to the Jezreel Valley for Armageddon. He's, he's, too, he's too old. I mean, seven, if the tribulation rapture happened this moment, tribulation started 30 seconds later, the Pope still has to make it seven more years fairly healthy into the Battle of Armageddon. So um, I already talked about the Pope earlier, so no, I don't think so. I just don't think it's a good idea to, to speculate too much on who Antichrist is and focus on Jesus and warn them with what we do know. Mark of the beast, and these things are going to happen so people can uh, be aware. Jerome, does not the tribulation begin on the Shemitah? We are about to be in Jubilee. Listen, I've been hearing about the Shemitah for a long time. In 2008, I heard about it. 2015, I heard about it. 2022, I'm hearing about it. And every seven years, it rolls around. And now, uh, people I know that are talking about the Shemitah are saying, well, if it doesn't happen this time, it's going to be seven more years, which take us to 2029, 2030. So it, it, it rolls around, right? Because you got this every seven-year cycle. So listen, it, it may happen, um, but I'm not going to be hung up on, on that. I, I'm going I'm to caution y'all on this too. So when just talking with my Jewish friends about this, when you look at the Jewish feast days, so you have the spring feast, you have Passover, uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread, Shavuot, um, uh, Shavuot, excuse me. So you have these feasts, they were Jewish feasts, Jesus fulfilled all of them, even with the sending of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. You have the fall feast, I believe, and it's with the Jews, right? It's, these are Jewish things. Uh, when you have the fall feasts, and remember at Pentecost, it was all Jews that were that were filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, so keep that in mind. Uh, Shavuot, uh, the, the Feast of Weeks. When you have the fall feast, people will say, well, these go to the rapture. Um, Shemitah goes to the rapture and so forth. Or they'll say the beginning of the tribulation, as some comment on. Um, the, when you, and then you have the fall feast. Feast of Tabernacles, Rosh Hashanah, Feast of Trumpets. And they'll say, well, that applies to the rapture. At the Feast of Trumpets, when the trumpet blows, we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. 1 Thessalonians teaches that. 1 Corinthians 15 teaches that. I believe the fall feasts point to the second coming of Christ, not the rapture. The rapture, we're caught up. Second coming is that, is that uh, tribulation, Armageddon, when we come back with the Lord. Uh, Feast of Tabernacles is a reminder to the Jews 
of the time when uh, the Shekinah glory was, of the Lord was with them in the wilderness. Remember that? Um, so you have that Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. This is when Jesus comes back at the end of the tribulation, establishes millennial kingdom. Again, tabernacles reference as him tabernacling with us, the Shekinah glory of God in the Old Testament. Jesus tabernacling with man at, during the tribulation. He's going to be ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. I believe the fall feasts point to the second coming of Christ, not the rapture. And, and, I, and, and I look at all of these things in, in, that, in, in that light. Um, so I, I, I would encourage you to do the same, but if you don't want to, that's okay. Um, I've been wrong before, but I, but I think I'm right on this. Uh, watch and pray. Question. Could the abomination that makes desolate be the same as the mark of the beast in Revelation? I don't think they're the same thing. Uh, the mark of the beast is specific to buying and selling and worshiping Antichrist. Uh, something else takes place. We do know in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that Antichrist demands to be worshipped as God in the temple of God. Demands to be called God in the temple of God. The fact that he stands in the temple and says, I am God, that alone is an abomination that causes desolation. What else Antichrist might do, I don't know. But when you look at Antichrist, this is what he's trying to do. Satan is trying to do it through Antichrist to usurp God's authority. Jesus says, I'll be back, Matthew chapter 23. You will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I'll, I'll be back. So uh, Satan knows Jesus is coming back. He's gonna rule and reign from Jerusalem in the temple. That's why Antichrist is going to go there. He's going to be filled. He's going to be possessed by Satan. That's why he's going to go there, to try and stop Jesus from coming back and claiming that he is God. So that's why he's going to say, I'm God. Same thing with Armageddon. When, when Antichrist and false prophet are gathered together in Armageddon with the armies of the world, it's, it's their final attempt. Jesus is coming back. We've got to stop him from coming back. They're going to use all the weapons of the world in an attempt to Stop him. It's not going to work. Listen, one, one more thing real quick, and I'll take a couple more questions. Um, just a reminder, because people are asking me, the conference in August in Huntington Beach is sold out. We expected that. Kept warning you guys. Um, but we will be doing live stream. Uh, I believe July 1st we're going to uh, launch that for registration. It's going to be fantastic. You'll be able to watch it anywhere you are in the world. I'm trying to think of who all the speakers are going to be. Um, uh, Andy Woods, Billy Crone, Brandon Holthouse, uh, James Cadiz, uh, Don Perkins. Uh, check this out. Don Stewart is going to be there in person, not by video. This is exciting. Only, uh, only invitation he has accepted all year to be at in person because of his heart attack and, and the health things that he had. So that's exciting. He's going to be there in person. Monkey Works is going to be there in person. And it seems like I am leaving out somebody. I'm sure I am. Uh, please forgive me on that. Uh, but you can go to the website, hopeforourtimes.com, and you can check it out. It's going to be a great conference. But now, um, anywhere in the world, you'll be able to watch it. So the live stream will start here. I think uh, July 1st, we'll start registration on live stream. So get ready for that. I don't know if live stream is going to be unlimited or if we're going to have to limit the capacity of people that are able to live stream, I do not know. So uh, um, we're still working through the bugs on that because we want to make sure it's an outstanding experience for everyone and we don't have any hiccups uh, this year. Okay, let's see what else we got here. Questions, questions. Isn't Lonnie Beatty, isn't uh, the WHO wanting us to get a QR code tattooed on the back of our uh, left ear? I don't know where they want it to be tattooed. Listen, have you guys seen the QR codes? It's everywhere. Okay, in, in my, I've, I've been to Colorado, Seattle, Florida, Dallas just in the last couple of weeks. And everywhere I'm going, hardly any, hardly any place is taking cash anymore. I'm sure you've noticed that. I mean, you go with cash. I mean, I was trying to buy food. Uh, we don't take cash here. It's happening everywhere, folks. And the QR code is popping up everywhere. And you're getting really accustomed to it. You go to a restaurant, you pull out your phone, you scan it, here comes the menu, right? Folks, we're being prepped. It's hard to not see it. And some of the preparation makes sense. You go, oh, yeah, this makes life so much easier. Ah, oh, yeah, this is way better. Um, but, man, this is all going somewhere. 
This train is going right on down the tracks and it is going full speed ahead. I'm thinking we don't have a lot of time left. Cindy Wren, do you think God uses the Dead Sea colander of the scenes or the solar, oh, calendar of the Jews? Um, I, I think God, when you go back to the book of Genesis, what did God do? He set the solar calendar. You have the moon there. And this is why people say the Shemitah and so forth. They bring that in. Uh, you have the moon and the stars, and you have everything that's set for times and seasons. So I believe God set that. The Jews have their lunar calendar. And uh, uh, I when, uh, okay, and the, the, one of the reasons why I think um, that, well, we'll just move on from there. But I mean, if God set the calendar that way, it makes sense to me that God keeps the calendar that way. But um, I could be wrong. Um, I'm not so sure that God necessarily keeps the calendar of uh, the Gregorian calendar, but but think of it like this: when you have the uh, when you look at the Book of Revelation, you have the exact number of half of the tribulation, half of the tribulation, the seven year period. What do we have? I believe it's set on a three hundred sixty day calendar. We use a three hundred sixty five day calendar, so we know God uses uh, that time period of the three hundred sixty day calendar. Uh, we also know that from. Uh, the time of the command to build forth the, the 69 weeks, the 483 years, that's based on a 360-day-year um, a, uh, calendar. Uh, so we know that from the going forth to build Jerusalem, to rebuild the city, to the time that the Messiah would be cut off. Again, that's Daniel chapter 9. I know some of you aren't tracking with this. Some of you are. Daniel chapter 9, right? That's 69 weeks or 483 years based on a 360-day calendar, that's exactly from the time of Nehemiah until Palm Sunday when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. So I think uh, that's probably the calendar that God is keeping. Uh, let's see if I, uh, when, when we have the time frames, and we can know that really from the book of Revelation, because you have 1,260 days uh, based on a 360-day calendar. Okay, let's see uh, this one. Um, uh God the Son, Jesus Christ saves Macron, Kuchner, uh, is who I, uh, yeah, Obama, the Antichrist is going to look like a good guy. People will want him. So whoever comes along and goes against these elites, but secretly he is one of them. Listen, uh, Antichrist, um, he, uh, I totally agree. He's going to appeal to both sides, the right and the left. Think of it politically. He's going to appeal to both sides. Why? Satan doesn't want just liberals. He doesn't want just conservatives. He wants everybody he can possibly get. So deceiving will he be, Jesus said, if it were possible, even the elect will be deceived. He's going to come with all kinds of lying wonders. He's going to be Mr. Personality on steroids, more charismatic than anybody you've ever seen before. Uh, my friend Jeff Kinley has a book, Interview with Antichrist, has characteristics of Antichrist in there. I encourage you to get it. You'll be blessed by it. Uh, somebody else here asked me, what Bible do I use? I typically will teach from, as tonight, uh, New King James Bible. By the way, this Bible's kind of messed up. My dog got a hold of my Bible and chewed it, um, but he, fortunately, he um, didn't tear it to pieces, and I'm still able to use it. But I typically teach from New King James. I study from King James and from several different translations uh, as I put together things. But typically, I speak from New King James. I like it. It's similar to the King James uh, the wording's a little bit easier to understand, but that's what I like. Yuval Noah Harari, Antichrist, question, maybe. Uh, Yuval Noah Harari is, man, that guy is evil, isn't he? I mean, that's a, that is one guy that's just full of blasphemies. We know Antichrist is going to be full of blasphemies. He is a, he's an evil dude. There's no doubt about it. But a lot of people look at him and go, ah, they don't like him. Antichrist is going to be very persuasive. Very, people are going to like him. Again, on both sides of the aisle. Look at Yuval Noah Harari. I don't know. I mean, this is just speculation. I have no idea. Okay, I'd love to get to more questions, uh, but I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm out of time. I'm really hungry. I haven't had breakfast or lunch today, and I'm really, really hungry. But listen, it's been great being with you. Okay, I have a lot of things coming this week. Live tomorrow, live Tuesday. I have midweek updates coming. I believe we're going to have another a video coming from Israel, I believe this time with Eris Sasson. Not real sure yet exactly which video. We have a lot of them that we are putting together. Um, and then I also am going to start my shorts again this week, so I'm excited about that. 
Um, tentatively, we have an Israel trip that's planned. That's coming up November 2. We'll start registration on that within the next week or so. In spite of all of the balagons of the current Biden administration and the New World Order and the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization and all of these other things, we're moving forward un until Jesus comes. Listen, look up and lift up your head because your redemption draws near. God bless you, everybody. I will see you this week. You can connect with me live. And uh, shalom. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.